this is definitely a difficult thing to internalize as a coach. I remember personally going through the whole like, I'm awesome though. Why doesn't everybody want to train with me? Like I've been around doctors and patients for two decades when I first started coaching. I've been studying this stuff. I have an exercise science degree. I've been studying this stuff for years. And Joe Schmo over here is doing a, you know, Tybo kickboxing routine down the middle of the floor and he's busy and I'm not. Mm. I don't understand. And it is revelatory when you realize if you're making it about you, nobody wants to be around you. Yep. So do the work. The praise will come. Before we get you to the episode, I wanted to make sure that you knew this episode is brought to you by the Active Life Seminar, which is completely remote. No need for a hazmat suit, no need for masks, no need to touch strangers right now, no need to hop on an airplane. The seminar is completely remote. The Active Life Seminar is the first step in setting up coaches and gym owners for success in their business. It will differentiate you from everybody else out there in regards to what you're able to do for your clients. If you're interested in learning more about the seminar, head to activelifeprofessional.com. Get yourself on the early access list for the next seminar date. Remember, they're all remote, so there's no travel necessary. These seminars sell out in under 24 hours, and they sell out exclusively from our early access list. Get yourself on it, and we'll see you there. And now, here's your episode. What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to Turning Pro on the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host, and today we're joined again by Larry Geyer. Thank you for having me. And we're going to be talking about part two of three of how to acquire the skills and what the value of them is to be a professional coach. And today, those skills that we're talking about are business skills and sales. And remember, if you're interested in furthering your career with us after you listen to this episode, before you listen to this episode, after you ask seven friends if it would be a good idea, head to Active Life Professional on Instagram. Our seminars are back. They are COVID-proof. They're the best you're going to find. Live stream pumped right through Zoom. Comfort of your home, comfort of your gym, all the top-notch knowledge that we always provide, just like being there in person, but without having to risk catching a disease. Pretty good deal. Yeah, it's a great deal. So... This will be one of the more controversial issues that we talk about because people don't like to think about money or business when they think about coaching. This industry, man, right? I, don't know I why think it's so taboo here. I, I'm not sure if it's just the coaching industry because I think doctors have the same problem. I think it has something to do with being in an industry that exists to help people and then feeling like taking money from them is hurting them at the same time. The, big, the biggest contention that I have with that, and you might be right, the biggest contention that I have with that is the number of people who openly elect to be doctors, not only because they like it, but because they're certain of the salary they're going to get on the other side. Yeah, but they don't typically enjoy asking for the money. So so a lot of doctors know that there's going to be a salary on the other side because they're going to work in a hospital system, even if it's in a private practice that is associated with a hospital system. So patients are coming their way. There's a billing system in place to solve all of the, did we get reimbursed questions? They don't have to ever ask the patient for money. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah, big difference. Yes. So, you know, where where in the medical field, the doctor gets to be the doctor, 
and they have a marketing team or a sales team that is doing the work for them. And the doctors listening might be like, I don't have a marketing or sales team. The hospital you work for does. Or if you're in private practice, your front desk staff often is having to do it. And if not, then you're one of the minority of doctors who are selling your own patients on care. Mm. So let's get into it. Let's get right into it. When did you realize, well, let me back up. Do you remember what it was like to be a trainer, deal with the frustrations before you had any sales skills at all? Oh, yeah, man. Let's yeah. talk about it. Sure. So for anyone out here who is currently a trainer or has been or is coach and you're looking at someone who's doing something and you're like, oh, dude, like I could totally offer this little tidbit. If they just knew this about, you know, executing this movement or doing this, that or the other thing, they might love this. This might solve their problem. Like this would be able to help them so much more than what they think they're getting out of that right now. I would love to be able to offer this person this thing or, or someone even comes up to you and this is the easy one. Don't expect that this is where most of your business is going to come from until you've kind of gained a little momentum. Someone comes up to you and they ask you, Hey, what do you do for this? What's the thing that I could do for this? You say, I would love to show you that. And you give them some quick ideas and some things and you propose training sessions or a consultation, whatever it is. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to, you know, just work on this for a little bit. I got my routine here. I got my thing that I do. Got it. The frustration of knowing that you can help someone in a huge way or that you want to offer someone something that they would love, even if they would, you think they would love working with you, have exactly the thing that you think that they're looking for, that they're probably looking for based on what you see them doing all the time. And you are unable to get them to buy sessions from you knowing that you have all this pent up energy and desire to sell them the thing and they will not buy from you because they don't think they should is brutal, man. And I spent a good amount of time there. Do you remember the moment that you realized learning sales skills was what you needed to do? hundred percent. Can you get, take us through it? hundred percent. So this was like the probably 20th person 20th person that had come up to me to ask me a question that I knew exactly the answer to exactly what they were looking for. And they loved everything about what I was pitching them in terms of the ideas. Like, this is why you do this This is going to help you. But wow, I love it. Thank you so much. I'm going to run with that. And them not buying when I was like, so sessions, you want to do some sessions? and just having no idea how to present that conversation to them, uh, that I realized, okay, this isn't a them thing. This is a me thing because it started off like, oh, these people are too stupid to understand. They're too cheap. They're not, they're just not really, they're not, they're too lazy. They're not willing to do what it takes. To, and then I realized, oh no, I, I suck. I need to figure out how to talk to these people. Yeah. What you were first describing was kind of what I call the, the fallacy of belief that when it's somebody's priority, they'll do it. The trainers love to have, the coaches love to have. It's what it allows the trainer or the coach to do, in my opinion, is sit back and be like, I'm great. I'm doing a great job. It's just that it's not their priority to do this. That's why nobody's buying from me. It's got nothing to do with my ability to do the job. Sure. The other thing was, dude, with prices like this that the gym is charging, how am I ever going to get anyone to buy this? This is ridiculous, man. They're right. making it too hard for us to sell sessions. Meanwhile, meanwhile, 60-year-old woman is selling sessions like hotcakes doing 140 sessions a month, and she's doing half the things that I'm doing. Nothing wrong with I'm just saying. She's 
spending way less energy to make way more sales doing a much smaller array of things than I would ordinarily be doing at Rockford. So what changed for you? You decided, okay, this is me. Now what do you do? Go to Kathy. Whoops, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Kathy, she likes, she's a follower anyway. I know she'll like it. Go to Kathy and say, hey, um, how do you sell so many sessions? And, and did she help you? Yeah. The first conversation was just like, it was the first time where I understood um, this isn't about how good you are as a coach. Mm-hmm. So what were the big things that she gave you that allowed you to understand, wow, this is what I've been missing? The, the, the first thing she said, I don't think she uses it. I don't think she's pulled it apart. I don't think she studied sales the same way that I have since having gone down this and certainly not in the way that we presented to coaches. But that's okay. That's, that's part of the point here For is that sure. I want coaches to know, like, would we love them to work with us? Yeah. We want every coach who should work with us to work with mm-hmm. us. And we believe that any coach who wants to be a professional coach should work with us. Yes. That said, we also know that some coaches out there need to see that they actually can do it mm-hmm. before they invest and really dive deep into themselves. What's really exciting about this stuff about, about, about the sales skills here is that when you get like 5% better, like 5% better, you're going to see ridiculous, ridiculous changes happen. It's like, it's like the plant that's, that's like been brown and droopy and you give it a little bit of water and it just springs up and it's green again. It's like that, man. Um, so, her, what did, so what did Kathy teach yeah, you? Yeah, the first conversation that Kathy had with me was around, well, it's not about it's not about your skill. It's about how comfortable they feel with the idea of working with you long term. It's about how comfortable they are with you and the conversation. It's not about it's not about what you could actually do. Um, and that was the first time where I realized this is about an emotional and this is about what I am missing when I'm considering what they really need to hear. They don't, they don't need to see that I have a bag of tricks. They need to start to believe that the bag of tricks is going to get them what they want. So, but, but now did, did you, in that moment, were you able to step back, observe yourself and make these determinations? Or is this something that after you just listened and started changing things, you realized that's what it was? Um, yeah, it was like I immediately needed to to stop and say, whoa, look at how I've been approaching these conversations. This is not how to do this anymore, right? So it was the step back that you were describing and mm-hmm. saying, okay, I need, to, I, need to take, I need to take a much tighter audit of how I'm talking to people, what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, why. Because they're not responding to the fact that I'm telling them I can, I can help them. They're responding to um, how they feel when I have a conversation with them around this and the kinds of things I start talking to them about. Well, I think there's a lot of maturity there that whether you realize you had it at the time or not was there because it's much easier to just blame everybody else. And so now a question I have for you, because I think that this actually plays into the ability to manifest that maturity is had you been considering anything else for a living at the time or, or was it this or bust? No, it was, this was the thing. So I think that that plays a big role. Because if, if you were faced with making the difficult decision of, I might not be good enough at something that costs me energy to get better at. If I want to stay in this career, I have to spend that energy Mm -hmm. or I could just go do one of a million different things. Yeah. I think that the, the fundamental difference is that, well, first of all, I didn't think I was good enough. 
Um, but I, there were no other options. I felt a sense of responsibility around this. But what, what I'm describing is I know you didn't think you're good enough because I know you. And I know that you always want to be better at something. Mm-hmm. What I'm describing is if you had seven different options on the table for something else to do for a living, it's like even if you did realize you weren't good enough, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not good enough, but I don't really want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do that other thing. Right. So that's why I think that a big thing that coaches need to take from this is commit. Are you going to be a fitness professional who raises your family if you have one, retires from a career in fitness? Yeah. You know, it's if that's if that's if the answer to that is yes. I feel like you haven't seen it yet, dude. That post that went up the other day on the pro account. About, Which one? Uh, um about the coach who who just bought the house. Oh yeah. Oh my god, man. It's awesome. That's, that's, that's the play. That's yes. what this needs to be like. And that's yes. what people need to realize. And I think the biggest question is like you said, all right, if I'm going to, if I really want the kind of life that I want, it doesn't matter where I get it. Don't expect it to be easy. Expect it to be challenging. Mm-hmm. Expect it to be longer than you would like it to be. The only question is, is this how you want it to happen? Right. So, so step one is not going out and learning the skills. Step one is actually deciding that this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Step two is identifying people in the business where you want to be successful, who are already doing what you believe you want to be able to do, but don't know how to. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and for you, that was Kathy for sure. So, I mean, here's the, what I realized is, um, and that you've helped me a lot to understand is for anyone here who's ever worked in like a restaurant or even knows someone who's in the restaurant business, think about, think about, all the things that they have to consider to make sure their business is alive and healthy and working well, all the numbers, all the inventory, all the things, all the moving parts that they need to make sure work well and all the things that have to be accounted for the ins and outs. Why wouldn't, if you want the kind of life that comes from being able to manage a business like that, why wouldn't you do that the same way? Why wouldn't you think that this skill set would require the same kind of management of in and out and making sure that things were working well? Well, I think right? it's because a lot of trainers look at their trainers, coaches, and we're going to use them as the same. I think that they, cause I did look at their life as like, a, if I train 10 sessions and I get paid 40 bucks per session, I make $400. There is no cost. I just show up, train, that's the job, right? I don't have to pay rent here. I don't have to pay utilities here. I don't have any marketing expenses. When all of those are untrue because they do have rent. They do have marketing expenses. They have all of these expenses. They just are in many cases going to the gym, right? Because a marketing expense to a gym is they're putting you in the room with your clients. It doesn't get any easier when you've been put in the room with your clients, then the additional expenses are you're, you're driving to work. There's time spent there. There's gaps between clients, which means that you're off the clock, but on the floor, right? There's a lot of expenses and trainers don't want to do the work to figure out what they are or haven't been taught to. That makes sense. So when you had this conversation with Kathy, it's, it's obviously a pivotal one for you. Do you remember what was different a week later. Um, yeah, well, first of all, I think I sold two or three clients for the first time in like two weeks after nice. the conversation, in the, in the few days after that. Um, so that was different. I was, I was selling sessions. <laughs> what, what, what was different? What did you, what was different about your conversation before and after? None of, none of my conversation was about 
all the things that I wanted them to try so that I could immediately show them like, look, you see what this does. You see what this is going to do. This is the kind of exercise you need to be doing because the entire conversation was different in that the entire first half of the conversation just became around, Hey, what's going on? Why is this something that you think that you want to look for in the first place? Just understanding them as people, Mm -hmm. right? Understanding, is this the kind of person that I, A, can help, and it's just the kind of person that I, B, want to help? Were you approaching them? Were they approaching you? Or was it, we're in the same room, you might as well talk? Both. All three, sorry. Okay. All three. Okay. But I was having the same conversation no matter what. I was always taking it to like, cool, can't wait to show them my awesome tricks. But that's that's not the thing. Right. Kathy made me realize that. So, So it sounds to me like one of the biggest things that you realized there was, it's not about you. Even, even though you didn't think that it was about you in the first place, it was, let me show you what I know that can help you. Yeah, no, and, that's, that's perfectly described, man. Like I wasn't, I wasn't intentionally being selfish going around. Like I'm in this gym right now. Cause I want to show everyone how fucking awesome I am. That's not what it was, but it was a very much subconscious drive to say like, shit, like I have to, I have to show people how awesome I am. Otherwise they're not going to want to work with me. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was dead in the water before I even started the conversation. Right. And now what I want to avoid on this show is going into the details of how to sell because anyone listening, go back to episode 003 and episode 005 and you will find two very, very, very powerful episodes on how to sell Mm -hmm. as a coach, a trainer. If you listen to this episode and feel compelled to learn more sales and business skills, Go back to episodes 003 and 005, and you will get those skills. Those are all of the skills that you need to, to probably 2, 3x what you're doing right now, if not more. Yeah, this is why it matters, though. Right, and this is why it matters. Mm-hmm. Yes. To, cool. to just quickly speak to that, I mean, the fact that, oh, now there are people who have these ridiculous conditions going on and these insane life stories and they're unable to live the kind of life they want because they feel limited by the way their body looks, feels, or performs. Um, And now I'm creating, helping people become the kinds of people that they've always wanted to be but never thought they could. Had I not learned about selling and why it was important that I need to know how to do it, these people would never have had the opportunity to become these kinds of people that they're now insanely proud of. Mm Mm-hmm that they are insanely proud of. And I'll go on top of that. Had you taken the credit for their work, they probably don't send you their friends because they don't feel good about having accomplished something. Well, I mean, more to your point, it's not about me. Right, right. So this is definitely a difficult thing to internalize as a coach. I remember personally going through the whole like, I'm awesome though. Why doesn't everybody want to train with me? Like I've been around doctors and patients for Two decades when I first started coaching, I've been studying this stuff. I have an exercise science degree. I've been studying this stuff for years. And Joe Schmo over here is doing a, you know, Tybo kickboxing routine down the middle of the floor and he's busy and I'm not. Mm. I don't understand. And it is revelatory when you realize if you're making it about you, nobody wants to be around you. Yep. So do the work. The praise will come if that's what you're looking for. Next thing I want to talk about is you learn how to sell. So now you're able to acquire client sessions and and whatnot. What frustration is left if you're lacking business skills that teach you what to do with the money that's come in, with how to schedule your clients, with how to book appointments, all of that kind of minutia. 
Yeah, well, what I ended up with next is um, a gross disproportionate expenditure of energy for the amount of time that I was spending, uh, which was way too much time, way too scrambled and scattered and disassociated trying to make sessions line up and filling things in and figuring out when I was going to call people and how I was going to schedule them and when I was going to reschedule them because it ended up being a lot, which is a great problem to have. The next frustration is um, I'm fucking exhausted, um, extremely disorganized, and I don't have energy left at the end of the week to just enjoy being a person. Mm -hmm. And you're probably chasing your ass trying to get your next client to schedule the next appointment. Yes. So where did you acquire those skills? And when I say those skills, it's really the business management to organize your life so that your business works for you instead of you chasing your own business. Um, lots of different places, but if, if, if I'm totally honest about the first and probably the biggest influence, it's, um, all the things that you have put into establishing the the groundwork for the education that we as a company now teach coaches on, on how to organize themselves. Um, so you were a big part of that, but weren't you doing a lot of it before you even found us at all? Um, I'd say I was doing a little of it. I wouldn't say I was doing a lot of it. Um, I started to understand also from Kathy and from other people, um, what it means to, um, kind of organize yourself and make best use of time and how, you know, what an inefficient, um, what an inefficient way to program and organize and get yourself set up before the fact and how to spread a week out. Um, and, and, and all the different things that go into, being able to manage money and and why it's important to be able to do that. But I had only dabbled because I started to understand it was important. I didn't really have hard skills. What is one little pearl that you can share with coaches who are listening to this right now that you know they're frustrated by? Like they're in the gym right now. They're able to sell some clients. They're able to, to get paid well to run a class. But there's this like constant nagging annoyance of inconsistency. You follow what I'm describing? I think so. Okay. So kind of, let me try, let me see if I understand. You're, ask, you're asking me, um, you're asking me what's the, what's the little inconsistency that I could expect. Um, what I'm asking it. you is the life of a trainer or a coach who is responsible for making their own sales can be inconsistent mm-hmm. because if they're not scheduling sessions accordingly, if they're not holding clients accountable to sessions that they've scheduled accordingly. They could end up with a day where they thought they had eight sessions, they end up with three and they planned to to take their girlfriend, boyfriend out to dinner that night. And now they can't because they didn't make enough money this week. I believe that there are lines that we can create that melt all of that away, that create organization in your business that then allow for freedom in your life. Do you have anything in those lines that you can share with the coaches that yeah, you've so, done? So are you talking about, are you talking about rules and pol- and procedures for how you set your business up to yes. prevent those kinds of things? Yes. Both for your client and for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it can be anything from as simple as making sure your clients understand first and foremost, it's setting clear expectations around how you operate, right? What are your, what are your cancellation procedures, right? How much time before your session where your client can cancel and you still charge them. Well, so right? let's, let's just talk through that one sure. because I think I that to. one mm-hmm. is when, when, when a coach is able to grab that one and comfortably describe it to a client and execute it when necessary, they're ready. It's a game changer, man. Yes. That one's a game changer. So, so talk us through yours. Sure. If 
you cancel within 24 hours of a session that we were supposed to have, I'm happy to schedule your next session, but you will be charged for that one. For the one that you just canceled. For the one that you just canceled on, full price. Um, I will typically allow people um, one cancellation within 24 hours for every 12 sessions that they bought because life happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, my kid needs to be rushed to the hospital right now. Cool, I'm not gonna charge you for that. Go make sure your kid's alive. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, people will start to learn that, oh, cool, he doesn't, he doesn't really respect his time. So I don't really have to. And then what happens is that unconsciously, they're not doing it malevolently. They're not doing it to be malicious. They're going to start to disrespect your time and they're going to start to get wishy-washy and they're going to start to lose more respect for you as a result to it. They're going to be inconsistent, which is going to give you headaches upon headaches upon headaches. And the worst part, the worst part is that they are going to start to fall off. And now you, in their eyes, failed to get them where they wanted to go as a coach. So you're not going to continue to get more business from them and they're not going to give you a referral because they didn't succeed. Right. So, so, so then in, in a big way, that boundary that you're creating is not only for you and your time, it's for, for them. them too. It's for both of you guys. How do you explain that to them? So, so a client calls you and says, Hey man, I, I apologize. I can't make my session this afternoon. Something mm-hmm. came up. What's your response? Everything. Okay. Yeah, everything's okay. Just something at work I got to tend to and I'm not gonna be able to make it in this time. Okay, so let me know when you're done with all your work stuff, what the rest of your week is looking like because I think it's important that you get your second session in this week and I wanna make sure that we stay on track. So their second session's not already scheduled ahead of time? What's that? Well, this let's. I was I was playing as if this was their second session. Got it. Sorry, right? So let's, let's say that they, let's say I see them Monday and Thursday. I would like to know what Got Thursday it. through Saturday is going to look like too, so I can try to see them. So you're effectively describing, I don't want you to have one less session this week. Yeah. Let's make sure we get the number of sessions that you were supposed to have this week in so we can maintain consistency. Yeah, and then how do you make sure that they're aware that you're going to be charging them? They know that before they even enroll. So what was that conversation like? That conversation, like while they're enrolling? Yes. So once they under once they understand the whole thing and they like the idea, they're ready to rock and roll, they understand prices, they understand things. And this is where I start to lay out all the little kinds of gems, the rules, the lines that you're talking about that make all that stuff present. And this is where I can say, um, this is where you could include if if a cancellation happens with inside of twenty four hours, there'll be full charge. I'm gonna give you a grace one every twelve sessions because I understand that life happens. Mm-hmm. But if you if you see that something's gonna come up and you're not gonna be able to make it do your best to let me know outside 24 hours. And what's your responsibility as the coach if you cancel in less than 24 hours? They get a session from me. For free? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to make sure everybody understands what Larry just described. When you're telling a client that enrollment with you means consistency and accountability, part of that means you do what you say you're going to do or you're not going to get your results. And as the coach, you need to do what you say you're going to do. Or you're not going to be able to help them get the results and they're not going to trust you. So he lets them know right up front, every session that you miss with less than 24 hours notice, I'm going to charge you for. If you only miss one out of every 12 sessions with less than 24 hours notice, I'm going to give you grace on it because I understand that things come up in your life and I'm human. But if I ever cancel on you with less than 24 hours, I do not get grace. You will not get charged for that day, obviously. And I will add a session to your bank of sessions that are available at no additional cost because I'm holding myself to a higher standard than I'm even asking you to hold yourself to. That's right. That's professionalism. And that allows 
clients to understand I am going to make these sessions a priority because if I miss them, I'm paying for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, show, it shows them how seriously you take your work. Yeah. And, and they respect that. It's not a, oh, this guy's such a dick. He's charging me even though I canceled late. Mm. Like, tell anybody, hey, I made plans and then I canceled them. And the person who was counting on the income from it still charged me. Yeah. That's how it works. Like you can't, can't cancel a flight the day of, you can't cancel a hotel the day of. Right. It should be no different with a trainer. So last thing I want to ask you about on this topic, and then we'll wrap it up and head into empathy next time we chat about it. Many coaches are going to struggle with this because of their imposter syndrome, if you will, around just who they are. And who, they, who do you think you are telling people about policies and procedures and that you're going to charge them if they don't show up? How do they get through that? You're asking me how coaches just declare what the standards that they want for themselves yes. when they don't think that they're good enough? Yes. You decide that you're good enough and you do it. Or you're too scared and to decide that you're good enough and then you do it anyway. Because what's going to happen is you're going to end up in a position where you feel like you have been depleted more than you have been filled up, not only by your work, but financially. And that's going to lead you to think that you can't make it all because you decided just to not respect yourself as much as your clients wish you would. Agreed. So anything else you want to add that we've left out on today's podcast? No, man. It's, it's like you said, I think it's step one, decide that you want to commit to this because if you do great things can happen. Mm-hmm. Coach that coach that we know we you helped. He'd been through our education or he's a coach in a pro path gym. So Amazing. he's been through immersion. He's been through immersion. He's been through the launch call, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, just like bought a house. There were the balloons outside the thing was standing <laughs> with his partner. It was huge, man. It's like, yes. this is, this is what it's about. It can happen. It's supposed to happen. It's the, the lawn and the kids. And the, if that's what you want, it can happen with this. You just have to decide that that's going to be the thing. And then it's like any other business start to treat yourself like a business. Yeah. Yeah. So, Reminder to all of you out there who are coaches who are in the, in the thick of it. It's not supposed to be easy. It's not easy for anybody. You didn't go to medical school for four years, seven years. That was the really, really, really hard part for the doctors. You're in that. You're in that as a coach right now. You're, you're listening to this podcast, which means that you are an active learner. If you're still listening at this point, it means that you are ready to face down some fears and start turning into the fitness professional that you want to be so that you can come to the dinner table and tell your family, like we talked on the last show about how proud you are that this is what you do. So congratulations to you. You've earned the right to do some really hard work and the world needs you to. If you're looking for help with that hard work, you know where to find it. We would love to be your resource to take you from where you are to where you want to be. And when I say take you, I mean guide you. That's all we got for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Life Podcast. If you did, please be sure to head to wherever you listened to it and give us a quality review as well as five stars if you can spare them. If you want more from us, feel free to follow all of our social media accounts at Active Life Professional, Active Life RX, and Dr. Sean Pastuch on Instagram. Remember, at Active Life, we believe that the healthcare clinic of the future is the gym, and the healthcare provider of the future is the coach. 
We also believe that that future is now. 